Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and man, have I got a show for you guys today. A very special guest, Dr. Fred Moss, is here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his book, Creative Eight Healing Through Creativity and Self Expression, which, you know, if you guys know me at all, you know I'm all about creativity and expression. But he's going to talk to us about that. He's got a ton of stuff to talk to us about, and he's got a very special offer for everyone who's listening to the show, and I really hope that you'll take advantage of it. It was very generous of him. I appreciate him doing that, and, uh, and, uh, you know, he's going to do it. You guys are going to take advantage. Get, uh, Get some good info in there. Let's make things better because that's what we need more than anything right now. Uh, Just as I was saying that, a bunch of dogs started barking outside. So that's great. Uh, You know, usually because I live so close to McCarran Airport, um, I'm usually dealing with uh, flights, you know, taking off. Uh, But uh, right now I have dogs. I don't know if you'll be able to hear that or if my wonderful uh, instant dialogue cleaner will be able to take that out. I'm sure it will. You probably aren't hearing that at all. Uh, And again, thank you, Audionamics. I love you guys for that program uh, and everything else that you do. Amazing stuff over there. Uh, so before we get to the interview, uh, just a couple things. The Uriah Heap uh, podcast that I do, Uriah Heap the Magician's podcast, is in full swing. I am now doing four shows a week. Monday and Tuesday uh, is Uriah Heap. Wednesday is typically this show. And then Thursday and Friday is Uriah Heap. So you got a whole week of me, whether you like it or not. Um, well, I guess you could not listen if you didn't like it, but hopefully you'll like it and you'll listen, especially when I have great guests on and, and they have a lot of great things to say, like today, as you're about to find out. Um, but, you know, I, I've gotten uh, quite a bit of uh, email on the other show, and it's it's great to be able to help people find music that they had not discovered before and are falling in love with it. Just as much as I'm finding people that have been fans for, you know, since the band uh, started 50 years ago or people that have found them along the way, like I did when uh, I I connected with them in the early 80s at first. Uh, But great, great stuff. And uh, it's it's really, uh, really fulfilling for that kind of response. So uh, for you guys who have listened and and left uh, ratings or reviews or anything like that, thank you very much. And uh, also, you know, for the ones that have done it for this show as well. Thank you guys very much. Um, it's, it's, it's always great when you're doing something and putting it out there in the world to know that you've connected with somebody and made a difference, whether you've made them laugh, you've made them smile, you've made them, uh, relax, uh, you know, anything that takes us out of this, this horrible funk that we tend to get into, especially right now between the pandemic and a lot of people get depressed during the holidays and then the isolation on top of that. Um, some people that are are stuck in, in situations in houses that are not pleasant. Um, anything that we can do to make the, the world better is it's important to do it. And I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying this show. The people are enjoying my other show and uh, and and the music that I make, the books and all that. Um, in fact, I'm taking uh, a week off, not of the podcast. The podcast is going to be going, but just from some of the other things that I do uh, to go back to work on my novel. So hopefully that will be out, I don't know, maybe by summer. It's going to take a little bit, but maybe by summer. Um, And, you know, enjoy the music, enjoy, you know, any of the movies I've worked on, just anything that I've done that can make people smile. I'm all about that. I'm a little shy about promoting it. I'm not really good at that sort of thing, Um, but it's certainly out there. And if you go to the website, um, you'll see that. And in today's show notes, I'm going to have all the, uh, the information for our special offer that Dr. Fred gave us. So you know what? I could go on about a bunch of stuff, but I think it's more important that we just hear what Dr. Fred has to say. Here he is. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to bring a very special guest on the show this week. Dr. Fred is with us. Dr. Fred, how are you doing? It's great to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Hi, and how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you. We've been kind of trying to schedule this for for a while now, um, but I'm Mm -hmm. glad that I finally got you on the phone. It's great to be here and great to be on the phone with you. So, you know, let's get the party started. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's... Well, well, I think a good starting point would be uh, if you wouldn't mind just kind of introducing what you do to our listeners so that they can kind of get a grip on where we're going from here. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, Scott, yeah, I'm um, I'm, my name is Dr. Fred Moss and I'm a conventionally trained psychiatrist. But I like to say that it really started before then. It started my work in mental health started about 41 years ago, in fact, 41 years ago yesterday, um, January 5th, 1980, was when I hired on as a child care worker. And I'm really a glorified child care worker. And what I mean by that is I dropped out of college in 1979. And I came home and told my mom that I was never going to go back to college again, that I couldn't stand the institution and we're going to find some other way to go. And she told me, like any good mom would do, that I needed to get a job. And so she, she like, mom, you maybe you didn't hear me. And, and I thought, oh, I was probably get a job, you know. So she got me an application as, for a child care worker, CCW4B, and it actually is a CCW3 and later became a 4B in the state of Michigan. And I thought I would last long enough to, you know, get enough money, a few paychecks and buy myself a car and then roam around the country looking for what my life was about. Hmm. And, you know, I lasted the orientation, which was three weeks. And then my friend seduced me into going, staying on just a few more weeks. And I stayed a few more weeks. And then a few weeks became a few months. And then I got put on afternoon shift. And then I started actually having fun listening to these kids. And I just started liking my job. But the one thing I didn't like was the way doctors were treating the kids. So after a few years, you know, they were just medicating kids. They, you know, we call them up and say X and Y, Earl or Steve or Brian was being, you know, agitated. And they just come by and write some kind of order. And then we'd inject them and put them, you know, in the stupor for 24 hours. And that just seemed like it was just not the way psychiatry should go. No, that's that's I don't want to deal with this. Let's just not deal with it. And that was a very yeah. common thing in that time in the early 80s. Well, you know, the sad truth is, Scott, it's it's even more common now in the world of psychiatry. So we can fast forward now. And really, that's been in my world what the biological psychiatry trend has been for more often than not, that instead of dealing with the uncomfortable feelings that any of us might have, we pathologize them and we create a diagnosis for them. And then we create sometimes the treatments come even before the diagnosis, but we create treatments that are meant to not only sort of alleviate the feelings of discomfort, but alleviate the capacity to have any feelings whatsoever. And so, you know, we really just take away the capacity not only to have uncomfortable experiences, but the capacity to have many different experiences as a way of treating discomfort and pathology, pathologizing it. Would you say that it's kind of the difference between being alive or living? (laughs) that's really a great way to put it. I think so. I think this being alive thing, you know, for me, I I, I assume this is what you're referencing is that 
you know, being alive includes all of life's experiences, including the very uncomfortable ones, you know, the ones that are miserable, the ones that are intolerable, the ones that are unspeakable, the ones that are so disturbing. And those are those are experiences that are absolutely uh, an important foundational quality of what it means to truly be alive. It doesn't all come in rosy flavors. Right. So if we start looking at humanity as a function of all of the experiences of humanity, and you and I know without me, I guess I've already dated us with respect to, you know, uh, it's been 41 years that I've been in the field as of yesterday. There's, you know, today's been a rough day, a rough day in the community, a rough day in Washington, D.C., a rough day. There's, it's rough. There's stuff going on around here that is rough. And the truth is, this is essential humanity, just like every day has been and every day will be from now until it's over. And, you know, that's where Welcome to Humanity steps in, Scott. So, you know, I, my, I founded a company, uh, a brand called Welcome to Humanity. And what we really do is we're embracing everything it means to be human and really reminding people that everything, including the discomfort, including the aimlessness, the helplessness, the feeling trapped, the fear, the terror, and, you know, the depression or the hopelessness, all those things that are generally thought to be at least definitely uncomfortable and often pathologized are all critical. And in fact, unfortunately, another way to look at it, exquisite parts of what it means to be a human being right now. And when we start there, it's amazing the miracles, the miracle, you know, the miracles that can uh, resurface or emerge uh, from a stand of no, there's nothing wrong with me or there's nothing wrong with you. And you really start getting, wow, if I look at life with that, it's a whole package instead of just the package of what I wish it was, then I get to live life from a much stronger standpoint. And that's what Welcome to Humanity really is about. Do you know, and, and that just kind of triggered a, a thought in me thinking of, you know, growing up in, in the 70s and 80s, that stigma that we had as men that's like, you can't cry, you can't show emotions, you have to stand up and be a tough guy, you know, you got to take care of the women and all that sort of thing that that really disconnected us from those experiences and from allowing us to internally problem solve because we weren't allowed to admit we had problems. You know, we were talking about what it takes to take care of our planet and what it takes to take care of our women, because you sort of equated this idea that maybe we weren't allowed to cry or show our soft side or, you know, weren't allowed to really be vulnerable or be uh, uh, unsure of ourselves or be, you know, lack hope or lack of future or be afraid or be very afraid, maybe even terrified or be sad or be really sad, maybe even hopeless or to be, you know, to be uncomfortable, maybe even very uncomfortable, lack, full lack of confidence. Like those kinds of things are fleeting experiences for the modern day man. And I would say for every man that has ever lived. And you might notice that when you're present to those things and then sharing them openly as part of the beauty of life, that women are actually maximally attracted to you. Like there's an opportunity then to really be what then is really a real man. Now, I'm not saying you got to go around and cry all day. That's not it either. But I am saying that crying for the things that require quant crying, including joy and terror and sadness and everything in between, as long as it really represents an authentic stand is extremely attractive. And in fact, that's the place to start from if you're going to secure and have, you know, secure humanity and 
in some ways just bring a truth and an authenticity, a reality to what it means to be human and what it means to be a man. That's very true. I would imagine too that that you know we're we're cheating ourselves out of our own personal growth by following those those lines uh, that that were given to us and uh, not exploring issues and not opening up, just saying, no, I'm fine. I'm fine all the time. And we aren't really growing if we're not even cleaning our own house. Exactly. And I'm fine doesn't really work. You know, it, yeah. it, it's although it's it's somehow an acceptable answer that we've gotten to the space of if we say, you know, how are you? I'm fine. Or I'm very fine. You know, that's one way to sort of let somebody off the hook because it's completely non-descriptive and there's nothing there that represents any kind of truth. On the one hand, well, maybe you are fine. It's possible, you know, maybe you put it all together and for the moment, everything is copacetic and that is sort of fine. But really look at the world around you. And I'd imagine there's been times today where you have felt pitifully disempowered, at least for one second, or there's been times today where you have felt like frighteningly terrified, at least for one second. Or you have felt like really aimless, at least for one second, you know, like and and then we end up responding those things and micro correcting our direction so that we can make a difference. Like we feel, whoa, whoa, if I go down this path, there is a rabbit hole that I might never come out of. Or if I go down this path, there's no, you know, no cheese down there. And there's, you know, there's an opportunity to correct ourselves and and take direction that uh, not only um, can fortify us and optimize our life, but allow us to stand from there and make a difference for the planet around us. So that's what I think I'm a stand for when it comes to Welcome to Humanity is really getting that in the Welcome to Humanity ethos is an opportunity to embrace every aspect of what it means to be a human being. Well, and, and that's so vital because especially right now, we have such a great opportunity. We have so much information available to us, so many avenues to pursue uh, those opportunities. And if we cut ourselves off from that, we're really missing out on our potential to make the planet better, to make society better, to just be there and support each other. It seems like we're we're going the route of, I want to be uh, away from it. I don't want to deal with anything. Medicate me or I'll medicate myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we are wired to seek out pleasure and avoid pain. And, you know, that it really, frankly, all living things are wired that way. You know, you'll notice it even, even, even you know, botanically, you'll see that in, in plants and trees and grasses that, you know, the tendency is to grow well when there's comfort and to not grow that well when there's pain or discomfort. So we seek out comfort, certainly. And, you know, the opportunity is that mm, really to look at, I, I think there's a couple people these days I've been hearing, you know, seek discomfort, seek discomfort. Like there's an opportunity to stand up to the discomfort and when doing so really um, empower and strengthen and and really fortify who we are as human beings in a matter of, look, it's not a matter of cause, like hitting your thumb with a nail, with a hammer. That's not what I'm talking about either. But I am talking about, I am talking about, you know, um, there is an illusion that comfort is a better life. And I'm saying that really, if you get a little bit too comfortable or too connected to comfort, then you leave yourself very open and vulnerable for the parts of life that aren't that are inherently uncomfortable and you may not, you know, may not be very well suited to take those on 
in the fullest way uh, if you're if you're simply seeing comfort. So you know that's maybe what drugs the addictions are: the drug addictions, the alcohol addictions, the sex addiction, the shopping addictions. These are things that you know really bring short-term comfort, uh, but in some ways it's at a cost if you're just doing it for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we've gone maybe, and tell me if you disagree, but too much in the opposite direction where we've avoided dealing with uncomfortable things so much that things that would have been only mildly uncomfortable are now much more dramatic and difficult to deal with than they would have been if we would have just, you know, uh, allowed ourselves to do that from the beginning. Well, you know, it's very well put. I think that, you know, we're at the point now where <clears throat> there's going to have to, you know, instead of micro corrections, there's, we're really looking at miraculous macro corrections, right? If the planet's going to survive, and, and I, I suspect that it will, uh, there's, you know, but it's not a sure thing. Uh, it's going to take some real opportunity for us to change or to transform the way we see each, ourselves and each other and also transform what kind of activities and what kind of experiences um, are welcome and acceptable, and that, that's going to include some very uncomfortable aspects of life without pathologizing them or feeling like, you know, when I'm sad or when I'm angry or when I'm anxious or when I'm afraid, you know, and all the other just uncomfortable feelings that somehow I got to hurry and take away, not the fear, like this isn't about approaching root cause, right? What we end up doing is we take away uh, our fear detecting machine. You know, we by drugs, alcohol, sex, we we don't take away the fear. We just take away the 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 part of ourselves that is able to experience fear by altering it from that aspect. Like, you know, we don't take away the fire. We pull the fire alarm and pull it right out of the wall. We pull it right out of the wall so it's not there. And now, now no fire. You know, there's no fire because the alarm's not going off. It's not true. The fire is still burning. Very much the ostrich syndrome. If I can't see it, then it can't, or if it can't see me, I can't see it or whatever. I think I have that backwards, yes. but, you know, but, but just saying yeah. that if I just take away the proof that it exists, then I can pretend it doesn't exist and I don't have to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we're, we're spending a lot of time with that. We develop a lot of, you know, a lot of ways of being, um, uh, you know, where we end up, you, you see people just, you know, becoming more and more immersed in, in, th in sort of obsessional addictions. Um, and, and with the object of simply surviving with comfort rather than simply surviving with discomfort. And uh, uh, that, that takes away from the possibility of advancing forward in the world, like really honestly, you know, standing from where you are and then making a stand and making a statement, creating a future and then stepping into that future, like actually being the man, the human, the adult, the person that you really are. And really doing that based on something that matters to you rather than just a way of managing like a leaf in the river, the, uh, you know, the pains and the discomforts that, that the world tends to serve up to us. Sure. And, and of course, that becomes the sensationalized thing. So we're exposed to even more of it, which then makes us more afraid of it and, and pushes us further back into that shell. But what does it take, do you think, for somebody to say, OK, I'm tired of being this way. I want to grow. I want my life to be better. I want to be able to help other people. What helps them flip that switch and start taking this on? 
Well, I've done a lot of looking at this, you know, even from before 1980, you know, back in the day when I was even in high school and my friends used to, you know, come running to me, men, girls and boys alike, to tell me their problems. And it was the idea of well, what what is it that works here? And if you really want to go back, it goes back all the way to when I was maybe three and four years old in the playpen. I had a couple of the brothers and my parents, and I really saw something that has been completely enchanting to me since that very time. And that is conversation, mm -hmm. you know, conversation, like, like people look like we're doing right now is we're uttering, you know, sounds from our voice box as a function of our breathing. We're making sounds and we have translated that into some form of meaning. And I'm hoping when I speak that the words I'm putting together in a str linear string are landing over there with you in a way that is somewhat consistent with the idea I'm trying to drive forward. Mm -hmm. I would say so. Yeah, it's a long stretch. It's a long stretch. To, that is there. That is a lofty goal. Then, and we yet choose to do that with conversation. And the power of conversation is that almost anything, if not anything, between humans that can happen happens through conversation. So, we're talking about really getting together with people. We're talking about sharing. We're talking about creative listening. We're talking about radical self-expression. We're talking about the capacity to not only speak with words, but to speak with art or music or dancing or singing or drama, cooking, writing, gardening, photography, like those kinds of things for which we are creative. Those are the things that make a huge difference. And we're able to impact each other in that way such that a connection is built and we get access to new information that allows us to then be realized in the community as someone who's pertinent, someone who's valid, someone who's being listened to, someone who can make a difference. And we do that strictly through conversation. Now, Scott, I don't know about you, but when I'm with me and me alone, it's not a good, it's not a good setup. It's not a good setup for me and me. I, I, we lose. I, I, I don't have anything new to say to me, and I sure knew, I sure know how to pull my own trigger to leave myself going down that rabbit hole. Sure, yeah. But when I'm with someone else, like we're doing here, the possibility of creating an outcome that otherwise wasn't going to happen by merging our assets and being able to, you know, really uh, share with each other leaves open a life that is miraculous, you know, the possibility of creation. So in creativity and self-expression, communication, connection, and listening, you know, along with a few other things about, you know, really keeping your mind straight, making sure the past is at least somewhat resolved, if not mostly complete. You know, these are ways to take a stand for what's important to you, like who you want to be known as, who you are known as, and then in conversation, create from there things that otherwise couldn't have happened. And that's, to me, really the access. So reorganizing one's life so that the helplessness, the hopelessness, the aimlessness that seems to be the default truth can be altered without altering the data. And you can see almost anything as being an opportunity to step forward, an opportunity to be your best self. And, you know, after all, this life is it's terminal, this life thing. It's, it's last I heard, it doesn't end. I mean, it doesn't end good. We, we, we end up dying. You know, that's how this goes. Yeah. And so between now and then, there really is an opportunity to be an extraordinary human being. And, and most of us have a really good idea of what that would take for us to be an extraordinary human being. We just choose not to do it for fear that uh, it's not going to work and then more, our heart will be broken or something like that. And so we end up 
hitting a remote and watching Netflix or pornography or, you know, be, be eating too much food or, you know, just uh, 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 drinking too much alcohol or, or you know, what, whatever it is. And we end up really losing the opportunity to make the difference we could minute by minute. I, you know, and, and it's a fascinating thing to me because in my head, I've always been the kind of person that said, I mean, maybe when I wasn't, when I was really young, but uh, in, in my adult life that said, the the only way I can really lose is if I don't go for something I want. If I don't go for it, I don't have a chance of getting it. If I go for it and it doesn't work, then maybe it wasn't the right thing for me, but at least I put everything I could into it. And then I can look myself in the mirror and be okay with me. If I don't do something because I'm afraid of what happens if it doesn't work out, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. No, the self-respect, I appreciate what you're saying. The self-respect, the, the, you know, the capacity to get really, you know, put it all in, like go all in, the capacity to like, you know, put your life on the line, to take the risk, to, to really go for things that, that, you know, do matter to you. Now, the other side of this is some of the things you think you want, maybe you don't. Like you could say, I want, you know, I want to be, I don't know. I want to, you know, try cocaine or I want to be in an orgy or I want to, you know, go uh, hurt somebody or, you know, who knows some of your darker sides that might that. Uh, and, and if, you know, for my listeners, I'm just pick those three. It's not like the rep, highly representative, I think, but uh, you, and if those things represent your dark side and you could have a part of you that's thinking, that's what I want to do. I just want to just scream from the mountaintops or cause some damage to myself or to my relationships um, or to the world around me, then even though you might want to do that, it is a matter of discerning those things and transferring them into things that actually make a difference that you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you've been, you know, you, you have made a difference and left a legacy for our kids and for the future. And that you, you know, standing on the shoulders of all the people that preceded you in your lineage, you're paying them proud respect. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think there's much more beautiful way to spend your time than that. Um, right. I, uh, I, I see that we're running low on time and I would be very remiss if I didn't talk to you at least a little bit about your book, Create Eight, Creative Eight, uh, Healing Through Creativity and Self-Expression. Obviously, that's something that touches my heart as a musician. Uh, what can you tell us about that? And I understand that you have a special offer for our listeners. Yeah, sure, I do. Um, so, you know, uh, and I'll tell you, the, the book, it, I wouldn't call the book my magnum opus, but it is a fun book. It's a, it's a, it's an easy read. It really takes on a little bit of what we talked about already, which is, you know, that all healing emanates uh, from, from uh, creativity and self-expression. And really the opportunity that I give my, my, my patients or my clients, my customers, whatever we want to call them, is to... Um, take a few minutes every day and explore a new way of being creative. So the things I've named earlier, I actually named the creative eight, which was art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, and gardening. And then two additions were photography and cleaning. And then I'm, there is an 11th step uh, that I won't say now, I'll leave that for the book, but it's one that works all the time. It's a trump card that works all the time, all the time, every day for everyone. If you really want to come out of your funk and so this is not this, this is a methodology that leaves open the possibility of exploring creativity even for just a few minutes a day and really reactivating what's already been here. Because as we've said, Scott, you know, it it really takes something to live another one minute on this planet. We are all remarkable creative beings just to be able to put everything together and take another step here. 
And, uh, you know, even those of us who don't know ourselves as artists are indeed seriously creative artists. So The Creative Eight is a book that really uh, is an effort for the reader to really take an opportunity to look at uh, what might be dormant creativity and uh, as a way of really altering one's life from the ground up right now. Mm-hmm. The offer I have is that, you know, you can get a copy of this, an audio copy of this and a and a uh, electronic copy of this for free. And you just go over to the, to the, uh, it'll be, I, the instructions, I guess, will be uh, right here with the podcast. And yes. uh, Ryan will set it up for you that you can get that, that offer for listening to the show. And then there's also the offer um, that I'd like to leave for your listeners, which I don't leave for everyone, but given who you are and the listeners you have, it'd be great. And that is a half hour discovery call with me uh, where we can do, really talk about who I am, uh, who, who I am as a coach, a transformational coach, a restorative coach, one who really I like to call myself a non-diagnosing psychiatrist, one who, you know, I don't like to use medicine. I, I, I really don't like to use medicine. And and uh, I uh, and the diagnostic part, I think, really pathologizes something that is simply human. So we start looking at reconfiguring the conversation and in this conversation, we can decide whether there's something that I can provide for, for your listeners, or if it's not me, I have such an access to so many different providers in so many different fields that I'd love to hear what your listeners are up to and then, uh, you know, make an offer or perhaps uh, lead, lead them in a direction that can alter their lives for the better and, and make a difference, you know, in an optimized level. Well, thank you very much for doing that. That uh, That's very kind of you. And, uh, and I love what you're doing. I love that you're trying to make you know, it better for people. And then that makes it better for the world. And, you know, when people are happy, they do great things. When people are miserable, they, they don't do anything. That's right. Exactly. That's pretty well, pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to be doing great things when I'm unhappy and it's pretty easy to be unhappy, Scott. There's enough evidence out here to be unhappy any given second that you want to. Really, you want to load up that basket on why you should be unhappy? It's no problem. It's really no problem. That's true. But you know what? I I think it's just as easy to fill another basket with beautiful things and reasons to find beauty in the world. There's so much of it. If we just stop focusing on all the things that make us angry, start focusing on things that make us happy, and we'll get there. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for saying that. Exactly. Well, Dr. Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sorry we were having some technical problems earlier, but I do hope that you'll come back because you're a really fascinating guy to talk to. I love the message. I love the work that you're doing, and I want to help share that more. Awesome, Scott. Yeah, well, let's definitely work together, and um, I'd be glad to come back. And really, we, you know, if your listeners want to reach out, another way to get a hold of me would be my, my, um, my email, which I, I always answer, that's Dr. Fred at WelcomeToHumanity.net. And then I have my website and my and then my podcast, my own personal podcast, the Welcome to Humanity podcast. And and then we're doing some pretty good things in the areas of uh, coaching and working with uh, the artists in the world who have been, you know, devastated or, or decimated, um, damaged by by uh, the, what they say as their life experiences. And we really are restoring people. So there's an opportunity here in a conversation to just transform the entire narrative and create possibility of empowerment where disempowerment had been residing. So it's a real, real great opportunity these days to do that. And uh, it's an honor to have, you know, to stand stand right here with you and say that that's, that's what my function is here on the planet. And I'm really glad that I was able to find that while I was here. Me too. And I, I hope that you'll be able to continue to do that because that's something that we desperately need 
You could say this at any time in, in our history, but certainly now more than ever, this is exactly where we need to be headed instead of focused on anger and frustration. Let's just let's just get happy and do it in a in a productive way. And that will bring others uh, on board. And it's just going to snowball. Amen. Amen, Scott. Exactly. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Fred. I look forward to your return visit. In the meantime, please continue to do this wonderful work that you're doing. I will. And uh, I really have no choice, I hope. And uh, <laughs> it is a pleasure. It's been, it's been great to be with you. And uh, thank you to you and your listeners for paying, paying time and attention to what it is that I have to say. Appreciate thank you. And thank you for your offer to us. I hope, uh, I hope some people take advantage of it. It's a great opportunity. Read the book. Let's do some good people. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Dr. Fred. You take care. All right, Scott. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. What a great conversation that was. I cannot wait until Dr. Fred comes back on the show. We had uh, a little bit of a problem. The, uh, the the signal for the call was buzzing out a little bit, so we lost a little bit of time. But I think we still got in a great conversation and uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to uh, speaking with him again. So uh, make sure that you're taking advantage of that special offer. The links will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Haskincast podcast. And please remember to, uh, you know, to follow us on any of your favorite podcast outlets and as well uh, leave those five-star ratings or a one-star rating or whatever you think the show's worth. And that just helps people find us. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Haskincast podcast. Cast podcast.